We're going to try it again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. That sounded like a Pentecostal church right there. Y'all sounded Presbyterian a moment ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles. I don't know if anybody can guess where we're going tonight. How'd y'all know? Amen. I want to declare this Bible confession over the word of God tonight. I'll try to get in the habit from time to time again of doing that. All right, let's say this. Say, this is my Bible. It is inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right. That's what the word is going to do for us tonight. All right, Obadiah chapter 1. There's only one chapter, right? And verse 17. You all have it? Okay. Let's all read it, or you can quote it from memory if you know it that well. Let's go. Ready? Go. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their... Let's read it again. But on Mount Zion... There shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen, amen. Tonight I want to talk on the subject, possess your possessions. Possess your possessions. Father God, tonight we thank you for the word we're about to receive. I pray, Father, that you speak through me, and that God, you give me divine utterance tonight, Lord, by the Spirit of God. I also ask that God, that you would give me divine unction, that God, I'd move and flow as you lead and as you guide, and I ask you, Father, to give your people hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts, so that the word will go forth freely. The word will go forth freely, and God, and be glorified among your people. Tonight, thank you that the word that we receive, Lord, will bring, Lord, change and, and, and salvation to our very souls tonight, God. We receive that word with meekness so it can do just that. Have your way tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. So possess your possessions. Possess your possessions. I want to re- remind you of uh, a scripture we, we read in Acts 3 and verse 21. Acts 3.21, where Paul, or rather Peter, is preaching, um, and he's, uh, he talks about uh, Jesus Christ being received up in heaven, and the Bible says that whom heaven, Jesus, heaven must receive Jesus Christ until the times of what? Restoration of what? All things, okay? You know we've been talking about that. Restoration of all things. Now, if you have a King James version of the Bible, which that's okay if you do, it, it, it uses the word restitution. Restitution of all things. And when you pull that word restitution up um, in Webster's Dictionary, uh, the Webster 1828 Dictionary, that's the, the, good one, the original one. You know, we have Miriam Webster's Dictionary today. That's, that's, that's a watered-down dictionary. That's one that they, you know, they add new words every year. The, the meanings of words change. Right? Um, but, the Roman, but the Webster's 1828 dictionary, y'all, everybody shut your cell phones off. The Noah Webster 1828 dictionary is based on the Bible. So the original Webster's dictionary is based on the Bible. Okay, and they'll, he'll use scripture references for his definitions. Okay, so the word restitution from the from the Webster's Dictionary of 1828, three three uh, meanings he gives. Number one, the act of returning or restoring to a person something or right of which he has been unjustly deprived. So a thing or right which you've been unjustly deprived. And he says it's the, re- the returning or the restoring of that. So Jesus said, or 
or Peter said rather here that we're going to have the restitution of all things. One of the things is uh, getting your rights back, getting your things back. Hallelujah. He, no, he says as the restitution of ancient rights to a crown. Did you catch that? Of ancient rights to a crown. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So we are regaining our rights to a crown. Hallelujah. We're a nation of kings and priests. Are you with me tonight? All right, I got to move on. Number two, the act of making good. This is what restitution is. We use this in the courtrooms. Of making good or of giving an equivalent for any loss, damage, or injury. Indemnification. Okay, so with this part we know making good on a, any loss, damage, or injury. So when somebody has, uh, uh, they, they've committed a crime, many times the, the, the courts will order that they pay restitution. So whatever loss someone endured because of that person's crime, the court will order them to pay restitution. All right? Now we've, we've been, uh, there's a crime that's been committed against us. And there's a making good that's supposed to be happening. Oh my God, yes. Of everything that we lost, the injury, the dam damage, and so forth. Okay? Number three, the act of recovering a former state or posture. The act of recovering a former state or posture. Now, do you remember I gave you that word restoration in the Greek, which it talks about uh, restoration of the perfect state before the fall? Are y'all okay tonight? Okay, so I know this is reviewing. Y'all know this stuff. I just want to make sure we, we, um, we bring everybody up to speed. Okay? We got we to all be on the same page as we go to this next part here. All right? So God wants to put us back in that perfect state before the fall. Now, remember I told you that perfect state before the fall. You look over in Genesis chapter 1 and right around verse 31. Uh, so God talks about, it says God saw everything that he made and that it was very good. That good meant beautiful and excellent and all the great things that go along with that, prosperity and wellness, all that kind of good stuff. But then you look over in Genesis 2, and when, when uh, God told them, don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and when they did that, now they begin to know evil as well, that Hebrew word raw. Remember that? And now they bring about all the unpleasant things, the ill, the harm, the sickness, the death, the disease, all the negative things you can think about on this planet came because of that. Right? But with restoration, we're going back to before the fall. Okay? Now, remember restitution. Restitution is a biblical principle. If you look in Proverbs, they can put it on the screen for, for us. You don't have time to turn to, the, to that. Proverbs uh, 6, verse 30 and 31. Proverbs 6, verse 30 and 31. It says, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. Take me back to the New King James, please. New King James. Hallelujah. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. Okay, so, you, you, you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't really want to beat him up because he stole because he was hungry. Verse 31. Yet, when he is found, even though we're not going to beat him up, he must. What? He what? Must. You got to catch that. No, no, no. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, if he stole because he's hungry, it meant he was poor. It meant he didn't have something. Yet, it is now requisite of him in his life, if it takes his whole life to do it, he must. Restore how much? Sevenfold. Seven he may have to give up all the substance of his house, which meant if he stole a little thing from you, but the, but the equivalent value of your little thing was all his house, he got to give up all his house. It don't matter. Sorry. Okay? Restitution. It's a, it's a biblical principle. And the Bible says that heaven must hold on, receive hold of Jesus until the times of restoration or restitution of all things. So God is ready to bring us back 
into everything that belongs to us and give us back everything that was stolen from us. The thief has been found. You got it? The thief, the devil, has been found. And he must restore sevenfold. He may have to, and he's going to, give up all the substance of his house. Wait a minute. All the substance of his house. Now, you can look at on this world, and we, we know, you, you see the devil is in control, or the devil is in possession of all this stuff out here. Would y'all agree with that? You know the church and the kingdom of God, people, we don't own most of the things in this world. Hallelujah. By, I mean, by, by a long shot. But yet, because a thief has been found, the Bible says he, he must restore at least sevenfold, and he may have to give up his whole household. The substance of his house. So we know that God is already bankrupting the devil. He's God, God already spoken through the man of God. That he's going to bankrupt him, which means the devil got to give up everything he has. And he's... It, in restitution, the, the money doesn't go to the state. It may pass through the state, but it, it, it goes back to the victim. That's why Proverbs 13.22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up. The state collects it. <laughs> Y'all got this here. Because you must receive your restitution. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you have restitution coming. Hallelujah. You're owed some stuff. Hallelujah. Everything you lost, everything the devil stole, he, he's got to pay it back. He's got to give it back. And not to you only, but to the whole body of Christ. I got this here. All right, now, let's go back to Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17. And again, we're just reviewing here. Remember we read, and we dealt with this a few weeks back, but upon Mount Zion shall be number one deliverance. Remember that? Yes. Media, put up Psalm 18, 16 through 19 with me, please. Psalm 18, verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. Hallelujah. God, I just want to remind you of this deliverance. This is what we have coming to us now. Uh, what happened? He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of what? Many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were. Okay, keep going. Keep going. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into what? A broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Somebody say, I'm delivered. Okay, so I dealt with that deliverance. Right? I taught on how important and how God delivers. For a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, I was into that. Even as, even as we crossed over into holiness, I, was, I kept reflecting back on this deliverance and showed you what deliverance looks like. Okay? But I want you to understand, it says he delivered me. Right? It says he brought me out into a broad place. So you got to see that deliverance is just the beginning. But possession is the end goal. Keep that in mind now. Deliverance is just the beginning, but possession is the end goal. We're basing this on Obadiah 117. The Lord gave me the scripture for this year. Deliverance is the beginning, but possession is the goal. But you can't get the deliverance, get from deliverance to possession without what? Holiness. That highway of holiness. So we began last, a couple weeks ago, we began talking about holiness. Everybody say holiness. holiness. Again, Obadiah 117 says, Upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. holiness. Hallelujah. So we talked about how you got to pass uh, through holiness to get to, your, to that place that God has for you. Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8 uh, talks about how God said, I've seen the affliction of my people. And he says, I have come down to deliver them uh, out. Put up verse 8. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large, right, to a land, so on and so forth, right? He says, I've come down to deliver them out and to bring them up to so notice the sequence here. Out, up, and to. Okay? So we talked about out being the deliverance, 
up being your holiness. In other words, you and I need to have one mind with God. We got to be able to see everything on God's level. Isaiah 55 verse 8 talks about that. My ways are, you know, 7 and 8 about, about uh, forsaking our ways because our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. So we got to get make ourselves uh, come up to God's level of thinking. That's why we got to spend so much time praying in the spirit. Y'all didn't say much to me. We got to spend so much time praying in the spirit because praying in the spirit helps us to come up and think on God's level. This carnal man cannot think on God's level. Hallelujah. So we pray in the spirit. We begin to pray on God's level and we, we begin to see. Uh, we pray. We pray mysteries and we begin to get revelation and revelation is from God. And we begin to see and think on God's level. So we come out by deliverance. We come up through holiness in order to go to a good and a, a large land that God has for us. Y'all got that here. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 35 verse 8 says that holiness talks about holiness being that highway, right? There should be a highway there called the holiness. All right. So we talked about how you get into the promise of God through holiness. All right. Now. Let's go back to Obadiah 117. I think we're going to make good time tonight. Hallelujah. Obadiah 117. Are you back there? But on Mount Zion, remember I told you in Hebrews 12, it's talking about us. <laughs> Y'all okay? All right. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. We've dealt with deliverance and holiness. It says here, the house of Jacob shall do what? Possess their possessions. Possess their possessions. So we go from deliverance to holiness to possession. The verse doesn't stop at deliverance. It doesn't stop at holiness. You go deliverance, holiness, possession. And you didn't write this and the devil didn't write it. It's from the Lord, which meant God's plan, God's agenda. I showed you that last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, that we saw this over and over again, this pattern of deliverance, holiness, and possession. It's a biblical pattern, okay? So he talked about here in this verse again, Obadiah 117, there shall be deliverance, there shall be holiness, and then it says the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Okay? Now, let's, let's look at something here, because I want to make sure that you understand that this scripture applies to us. Okay? Now, I got a couple of amens on that. <laughs> um, because the, natu- the, the, the denominational, the traditional um, um, church will teach you out of our possession of this. Because they, in fact, they, they use a phrase in, in theology about uh, called replacement theology. That they say that it's erroneous for us to try to replace the children of Israel with ourselves or that we, can't, we don't have a right to include ourselves when we see these promises or these things in the Old Testament. This is what they say. So when you try to say, you know, by stripes I'm healed. No, that's old, that, was, that was for the people of God, the children of Israel. We're not children of Israel. I see y'all, y'all look at me like, oh, how in the world? See, that's because y'all been in this church and you know better. But your cousins don't know better. They love Jesus, but they don't know any better. So they leave the promises that God puts in the word to the children of Israel and try to find the, the few that are in the New Testament. But don't understand all the ones in the New Testament are based on what's already written in the Old Testament. So, just for the sake of the um, people who've been erroneously taught, let's just prove that this includes us. Because remember what it says: On Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and holiness. Now, remember I talked about that. Hebrews twelve twenty two talks about that. Twenty two and twenty three talks about Mount Zion being the church. We know there, there was a physical Mount Zion. There's actually a mountain, Mount Zion, but Mount Zion spiritually is the church. Hebrews twelve twenty two and twenty three. Okay. Now, then it says here, another phrase, the house of Jacob. So then people say, well, I'm not part of the house of Jacob. Okay, 
Now let's make sure we know we are. Okay. Galatians 3 and verse um, uh, 29. Let's just give a couple of verses. Y'all can find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Y'all know those? Hallelujah. Girls eat popcorn. Right? GEPC. <laughs> That's a section of the Bible, you know, GEPC. When you're learning, learning the Bible books, all the T's are together. Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians, you know, y'all know that. Okay, all this stuff. Okay, so GEPC. Okay, so look at, look at Galatians here, Galatians 3.29. Notice what it says. And if you are Christ, I think King James says if you belong to Christ, right? Then you are Abraham's seed and, come on now, what? According to the promise. Now, do you know the term there? Media can put on the screen for me. Genesis 17.7. Uh, Genesis 17.7. Um, where the Bible, God makes his promise to Abraham and he says, he says, I'm making this covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations. Now, did not uh, Abraham have a son named Isaac? And did not Isaac have a son named Jacob? And didn't Jacob have 12 sons? And from those 12 sons, all the tribes came up. But then the Bible says, if we belong to Christ, which Christ was in the tribe of Judah, if we belong to Christ, that we are also Abraham's seed. And then heirs according to the same promise. So whatever God promised Abraham back in Genesis 17, whatever God promised Isaac, whatever God promised Jacob, if I belong to Christ, I'm also Abraham's seed. So I'm in the house of Jacob. It says if you belong to Christ or if you are Christ, then you are also Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I'm an heir. I'm in on this. Look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Ephesians 2, 11, 12, and 13. Look at what it says here. It's in the next, next book over, but you can see it on the screen here. It says, therefore, remember, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So the, the children of Israel would ostracize those of us who were not the children of Israel because we were uncircumcised. In the natural. But something happened. It says uh, by, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh, uh, made in the flesh by hands. Keep going, please. Verse 12. That at that time without Christ. Now we, are, we just read that we are Christ. We belong to Christ. But he says at that time when that was true, you as a commonwealth. That Israel has privilege. Every, every, every Israelite has access to the covenant rights of God. So, but you and I, because we weren't part of them, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And it said, and strangers from the covenants, there are several covenants, of promise. We couldn't get in on it. Having a, a, a promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, see, that's what we were then, but now, in Christ Jesus, how many of y'all are in Christ Jesus? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off from the covenants, from the, from the commonwealth, we have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the blood brought us near. The blood gave me access. The blood put me in the family. The blood changed my name. The blood changed my inheritance. The blood changed my DNA. The blood changed my covenant. The blood changed what I had access to. Somebody say thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. You see? So now, now we, we, are, we are part of the family. Let's look at one more place. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Notice what it says here. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. King James says, who's made us meet. M-E-E-T. M-E-E-T means able. He made us able. So simply put, he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. He didn't say of an inheritance, of the. What? The. What? 
the, that's a definite article, the inheritance. There's only one. <laughs> so the inheritance that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all his children, that all of them that are, they all have access to and they all enjoyed and enjoy to this day. Because there are some people who are in uh, the Jewish uh, family, uh, Israel's by, you know, Israelites by birth. They have, uh, I mean, they, they live large and they don't even serve the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Y'all, they, they, don't, they don't even know Jesus, don't, don't believe in Jesus like you and I believe in Jesus. But there's a covenant that they were born into. That there's something that's just placed on their life. There's a blessing. You ever heard uh, Galatians 3, 13 and 14? The blessing of Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for us. For it is written, curse everyone hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So you and I have been brought into this family and you and I have access to that same blessing of Abraham that works on all of our Jewish brothers and sisters who don't serve Jesus. And yet they enjoy abundance and long life and peace and all these things they enjoy because there's a blessing placed on them. See, folk got mad at uh, Kanye West a little while ago. Because he pointed this out. He, he got canceled like, like a bad subscription. And all he did was point this out. He said, you look at all the industries across, across America and throughout the world. And he said, the people at, all, at the top of all these, they're Jewish. Now, he might have used some, you know, extra words and saying it but he's just pointing out a fact and they canceled him but the reality of it is he's right what? and what's causing that it's a blessing will you tell your neighbor and say neighbor that same blessing is on your life but somebody ought to holler one time about that that same blessing is on your life To live, to be fruitful, to, be mul- to multiply, to increase. So you're not qualified to be partakers of it. You got it? So let's go back to Obadiah 117. Let's keep, keep going here. Because when it says the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions, I want you to know that this includes you. Okay? Now, I want to read. Obadiah 117 again. I'm, not, I'm just introducing this tonight. I'm not going to get deep. I'm, there's a lot more we're going to talk about about possessing our possession. But I just want to introduce this tonight. So Obadiah 117, again, it reads this way. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now, I want you to also notice here that we see a divine pattern in scripture. Okay? I want you to see this here. Put your eyes on that scripture. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. Now who's doing the deliverance? Say it, come on. The Lord or God. I'll take you the answers. Okay, so shout it out. Who's doing the deliverance? All right? Now then it says, there shall be what? Holiness. Holiness. Now who's doing that? You are. Okay. So I want you to see a divine pattern in scripture. That God does something. And then you respond. So holiness should be our response to deliverance. See, people who don't want to live holy don't appreciate being delivered. And they sometimes have this attitude that, well, you know, I changed on my own. Or, you know, I worked, I had some self-improvement things that I did, and, I, you know, I'm a better person. No, 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 baby. If it had not been for God bringing you and me out of what we were trapped in, we would have still been in it. 
getting worse and worse and worse every year. You see, so my holiness is my response to deliverance. When you've been delivered, and you're glad you've been delivered, you don't want to go back. I don't want to be a dog going back to my vomit. Or a pig going back to the, to the mire. Right? So, so when I've been delivered, I, deliverance is God's gift to me. Salvation is God's gift to me. Doesn't, doesn't your Bible say over in Ephesians, it says, uh, by grace are you saved? And that not of yourself, but it's through faith, right? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you didn't save yourself. Tell you that, but you didn't save yourself. I know you're smart and you got a college degree, but you didn't save yourself. I know you got a high IQ. You should have been immense, but you did not save yourself. I know you're skilled and you got MacGyver kind of skill. You can make all kind of stuff, but you couldn't save yourself. No, he had to save me. By his grace, he saved us. The Bible says by his mercy, he saved us. By his mercy, he saved us. Hallelujah. By his mercy, he saved us. He saved me. He saved me. So my response is because he saved me, I'm going to now live holy before him. Okay? So we see a pattern though. He saves, he delivers, we live holy. Now, but then when you and I respond to him, you, you can't outdo him. Okay, let me help you on this here. All right, all right. Um, so, so, so when you and I when we get, we get saved, okay, how, how do we get saved? The Bible says that, uh, I think it's Romans 12, 3, I think it is. It says that God has given to every man the measure of faith. So you get saved because God gave you the measure of faith to get saved. Oh, y'all the same thing. God, no, I just believe. No, you, didn't, you couldn't believe if God hadn't given you the measure of faith to believe. He, he has given, the Bible says, to every man, not to Christians. He's given to every man a measure of faith. He's given you enough to believe. So watch this. Watch, watch this sequence, okay? Y'all tracking me? He gives you the measure of faith. Then you now release your faith in believing. Then he releases his salvation. Y'all missed it. He didn't release the, release the salvation first. He released the faith to you. You respond by releasing your faith to him. Then he responds on top of your response and releases salvation to you. That's how you got saved, baby. Okay, see, it keeps giving. See, okay, let's talk about healing. How you get healed? You don't get healed unless he gives you faith to get healed. So when you go through the healing process, many of y'all have gone through the healing process, and you you either you had you had faith. Some of y'all you dug in and got a word. How many of y'all got a word on your healing? Where whose word was that? Who gave you that word? It wasn't your word, so God had to give you that word. In, other words, in, in fact, that word would not have worked until it became rhema. So God had to give your rhema word. When he gave your rhema word, what he gave you was a seed. Now once you have that rhema word in your spirit, now you release that rhema word by your mouth, by your faith. Now he then, in response to your response... Tell you that, but God responds to your response. So in response to your response, he then manifests or releases the healing power to you. Now you got to catch this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The healing was in the word he gave you. But he couldn't release the healing till you release the word. So whatever God gives you, you must respond to what he gives you by releasing it back to him. 
gonna come on this side because some of y'all still not getting it. Let's talk about your finances. Well, Pastor, you don't know. See, what I did, I sowed a seed. Where'd you get the seed from? And Bible says he gives seed to the sower. So you wouldn't have the seed, baby, if he didn't give you the seed first. He always makes the first move. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I like that. God always makes the first move. And then when you respond to God, he's not going to let you have the last word. He, he, he's too big to let you have the last word. Because you can't beat God giving no matter how you try. The more you give, the more he'll give to you. So just keep on giving. So he gives you the seed. You sow the seed. You respond with your seed. And then he responds with the harvest. And the harvest is bigger than your seed. Well, no, I'm a tithe. That's why I'm blessed. Where'd you get the money to tithe from, baby? You couldn't have tithed if he didn't give you the money to tithe. It all starts with him. Before you start feeling all big and bad and proud of yourself, no, it all started with him. Hallelujah. So you tithe because he gave you the money. You respond to his provision by releasing a tithe. But he says, you can't beat me giving. When you tithe, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour you out such blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it. So God will always respond to your response. So, because I'm almost out of time. On Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. That's what he did. Your response is holiness. He said, oh yeah, I like that. You, you going to be holy? You mean you appreciate my deliverance? You mean you, you, you are thankful for my deliverance? He says, well, I'm not going to let you outdo me. You gotta, you gotta catch this. It would have been enough to just deliver us. Just to be off drugs would be enough. Just to be off alcohol, just to be off pornography. I mean, that's just, I mean, we can thank God all the rest of our lives just for that. Just for deliverance. Because there are folks, some folks who never get delivered. Thank you, Lord. But when you and I have the, 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 the right mind to respond to deliverance with our holiness, he, oh, you're going to be holy too. Well, let me go, go ahead and respond to your response. And he says, and the house of Jacob or my people shall possess their possessions. Because I can't let you outdo me. That's God. I, I, can't, I can't let you outdo me. I'm going to always outdo you. I'm going to always show you. No, I love you more than you love me. You know how we go around and everybody say, I love you. I love you more. I love you. No, I love you. I love you more. I love you to the moon and back. No, 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 no. God said, no, I love you more. No, God, I love you. No, I love you more. I mean, I believe God. I believe God. I mean, I believe God. He loves you more. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. God loves you more than you know. God loves you in spite of you. God loves you. But then you have the, the nerve to show God you love him back. He said, wait a minute, you love me back. Oh, no. I, I'm, oh, no. No. I'm going to show you I love you more. Uh, I love me some you. So whereas you and I will be satisfied with deliverance. I'll say something now. 
Would we be satisfied with deliverance? Just to know I'm no longer bound? And God, I'm going to live holy because I'm thankful. Because I appreciate what you've done for me. But God's not satisfied. He says, I brought you out to bring you in. I, I brought you out and because you responded the right way, I'm going to take you all the, way, all the way in and I'm going to cause you to possess your possessions. <laughs> Notice he didn't say they shall possess possessions. He said they shall possess their possessions. Which means it was already yours. It was yours before you got there. It was yours before you started living holy. It was yours before you got delivered. But I couldn't get you to your possessions till I first got you delivered. And now that I got you delivered, you have the, the, the right mind to respond and live holy. And now you start thinking like I'm thinking, not like I think. So now I'm going to take you to your possession because now your possession won't trap you. See, if you don't get a holy mindset, the possessions will become your new prison. That was the problem with the man in Mark chapter 10. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus Christ and said, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, take your cross and follow me. And the Bible says the man went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. He was now in the prison of his own possessions. And God doesn't want your, your possessions to become your new captors. That's why you must develop in that zone of holiness. No, I think like God and I see like God and I move like God and I'm one mind with God. I'm one heart with God. So no, Lord, no, Lord, no matter what you give me, my, I will not set my heart on them. That's what the Bible says, that if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And when you've allowed yourself to be made over, to be made anew, to develop in holiness, you will not let your heart be set on the things. Because even though you're now prospering, you still remember before you got delivered. Even though now you finally got your own apartment, you finally got your own house, you finally got your own set of car keys, but I still remember where God brought me from. And I'm not going to let the car keys, I'm not going to let the house change my way. God, I'm going to keep serving you because I remember when I couldn't go, I, when I couldn't move, when I couldn't think, when I couldn't operate. I still thank you for where you brought me from. <laughs> and this stuff can't have me. Matter of fact, God, before I let the stuff have me, I give it all away. You can have the stuff. But you can't take my peace. You can't take my joy. You can't, you can't take my relationship with Jesus. So, so, this is the pattern. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you about to get all your stuff. No, I don't know if you got it. You're about to get all your stuff. You're about to, you're about to get all your stuff. You're about to get, you're about to get all your stuff. You're about to get what belongs to you. That thing that God has for you, it is for you and nobody else going to have it. It is for you. It's been set aside. It's been prepared for you and can't anybody touch it. They might have had to man it. They might have had to maintain it, but it's yours. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You remember in the book of, of 2 Kings? 2 Kings, hallelujah, I believe it's chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8, I believe it was. There was a woman, uh, this woman, the Bible talks about her being that, that woman of great substance back in chapter 4. And the Bible says that in, in chapter, chapter 7 that, um, that the man of God told her there was going to be a famine. He said, go into a land and take care of yourself and, you know, God going to take care of you. And she left seven years. 
and when she came back after seven years, Elijah's a servant happened, Elisha's servant rather, happened, Gehazi happened to be standing before the king. Telling the king about the great things that God had done through his man of God. And he began to tell him the story about this woman who, who uh, Elijah, Elijah had raised her son from the dead. And at the exact moment, the very moment, it just so happened. Tell you that, but God's going to have you in the right place at the right time. It just so happened as he's telling this very story, the very woman he's talking about comes walking through the door. And he says, oh king, there she is. Oh king, there he is. Oh king, that's the one. And the king gives a decree. He commands his officers and his men and says, hey, that woman right there, I know she's been gone seven years. But all that land that was hers and all the produce thereof and all the profits of her field for seven years, even though she'd been gone, even though she hadn't worked her land in seven years, he said, give it all back to her because that belongs to her. That's her possession. Let her possess her possession. Some of you might feel like, you know, you missed, you know, you missed out because you were, you know, you got caught up. You might got caught up in the world and you got caught up in some things and, you know, you know, maybe you didn't move quickly. Even when you got saved, you know, maybe, you know, I didn't really learn this faith thing right away. Maybe, you know, I really didn't learn this obedience. Maybe I didn't get into this holiness thing right away. And God says, I got you. I have been preserving. You, you, you didn't lose it. He said, your inheritance is incorruptible reserved in heaven for you. So he was waiting for you to come around when you when you thank you Holy Ghost. In the 15th chapter of Luke there's a young boy who gets in his mind I'm going to take my daddy's money now and go live it up in the world. And he did. The parable of the prodigal son. He went out and lived it up in the world. But the Bible says one day he came to himself, he was down in a pig pen of life, and came to himself and said, I'm going to go back home because even the servants in my father's house have bread enough, bread to spare, and here I am, and I'm struggling. And he got him and went back home with a story. But when he got there, the Bible says his father ran out and met him, and he told his servants, bring out the fatted calf. The fatted calf means that there was, a, there was something the father was holding for that son until he came home. He was fully expecting him. He was looking for him to come home. So God knows that even if you and I have missed it and we've wasted some years, the Bible says we can redeem the time. I'll even restore to you. Restore in the year of restoration. I'll restore to you the years that the locust and the cankerworm and the grasshopper and the caterpillar have eaten and devoured. So God knows how to make up for lost time. Y'all just do that. Just do that. Do that right there. God, God's going to make up for lost time. He's going to make up for lost time in your life. Tell your neighbor, he's going to make up for lost time. He's going he's gonna to make up. He's going to make up for lost time. He's going to speed things up. You thought you were behind, but he's going to accelerate. He's going to accelerate your man of God. He's going to accelerate your maturity. He's going to accelerate your, your... He knows. He knows. You got it coming. You got it coming. You got it coming. You got it coming. All right, let's wrap this up. This this just this just intro tonight. This just intro tonight. Tell you that, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. Ooh, you're gonna get it. Ooh, you're gonna get it. Ooh, you're gonna get everything God has for you. You're going to get everything that God has been reserving. You're going to get everything God has been holding for you. You're going to get everything that God has had ready for you in your life. You're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your peace back. You're going to get that anointing back. You're going to get that ministry back. You're going to get that life back. You're going to get that dream back. You're going to get that vision back. It's all coming back to you. It's yours.
You're not going to miss it either. I said you're not going to miss it either. You're not going to miss it either. Okay, I got, I got, let me close here. Let me close here. I, I, I got a bunch of scriptures, but uh, I, I, I just want you to grab a hold of something. I want you to, how many of y'all are listening tonight? You listen. He said, the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, Brother Jermaine, I, I went back, when I went back studying this for this week, I, I, all of a sudden I was startled because although I, I've been reading what it said, in my mind, I've been reading it possess their possession. And in my mind, I've been thinking the promised land is their possession. But it did, I went back and I said, well, let me read King James and read Amplified. Let me read another translation and see because I'm sure, I'm sure I missed it somewhere. But I noticed it said possessions. So possessions, he wasn't talking about merely a place. But things. Hallelujah. Places. Remember that word we talked about, about holiness, Kadesh, right? About sacred places, things of God, of places, of things. So God said, I brought them to my holy border, Canaan. Remember that? And so God says, uh, my people, the house of Jacob, shall possess their possessions. Now, I want to show you something, and y'all might, y'all might run me out of here, um, or else, or else you're going to run yourself around this church. Because the word possessions, when it says they shall possess their possessions, possessions is the Hebrew word marash, which means possession. But the root of it, it comes from 834.23, which it means a possession figuratively delight. It's a possession or thought. So what he's saying is my people are going to finally possess what they've been thinking about. Now I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, do I have anybody in here who's been thinking of some things that you've been delighting in the Lord? And he, he's been depositing desires on the inside of your heart. And the devil's been trying to tell you, no, don't, don't think like that. Don't, don't think, don't, don't think. That's too big. That's too way. That's too far out there. That's, that's way out there. No, 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 no. And the devil's been telling you, no, just bring it back. No, let, let me shrink that thought down. No, I need to think smaller. No, I shouldn't think like that. I shouldn't think too big. And yet God keeps telling me, telling you that, but you know, I'm able. To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. And God is saying that for you and me this year, the things we've been thinking about. Ask me, but you've been thinking about anything. You've been thinking. I've been thinking about some stuff. I've been thinking about stuff for me. I've been thinking about stuff for others. I've been thinking about things I want to do in ministry that felt too big. But God is saying, no, 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 no. 
I need you to forsake your thoughts because your thoughts are not my thoughts. I need you to think on my level. That's why I took you through a holiness because when you start thinking, that's why I preached about that holiness, living right, right? And that holiness, you begin to think on God's level. And so when you begin to think on God's level and see things on a bigger scale and see way beyond where you are, you start saying, wait a minute. The Bible says, if I can believe... All things are possible to him that believes. Now all of a sudden, I start thinking, I say, wait a minute. God, you can do that. You can do that. He can do that. Tell your neighbor, he can do that. And this. And the other. And also. And there are things that he's telling you to think about. Why why am I thinking about that? Lord, why am I thinking about that? Some of y'all have big things you, I'm talking about, I'm going beyond your house and your car and your new purse. I'm talking about things, things, things you're thinking about. Things, thoughts that God puts in your mind. Like, Lord, I see that problem. I would sure love to do something about that. I hate seeing people live like that. God, I want to do something about that. That's, that's not your thought. That, the devil didn't put that thought in your mind. To bless somebody, to help somebody, to change somebody's life. The devil didn't put that thought in your mind. No, God is planting these thoughts in you so that it'll come a time when you've come, out of, come through deliverance, come into holiness. Now you can begin to possess your thoughts. And notice, I, I want to make sure I don't leave this word out, this word out, out of that definition uh, of mirage. Figuratively, delight. So we're talking about delightful thoughts. Delightful thoughts. He says, I'm going to cause you to finally possess what has only been in your thought life. You've daydreamed, you've night dreamed. You, anybody ever, ever let their mind run away with them? Like you, you saw something and you just let your mind just kind of get lost and just wander. And before you know it, you had the whole, the whole complex built in your mind. In your mind, when I'm, when I'm walking, I was doing this the other day, Monday when I was out walking, in, in my mind, in my mind, I saw the whole village. Yes. Yes. Think about the whole transformation village that God has shown me. I saw, I saw, I saw the place for all the, the seniors to come and live. I saw it. I saw the school. I saw the business center. I saw it. I saw the clinic. I saw it. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about that land all around us. Wait a minute. Y'all, thank you, Holy Ghost. Do you know the children of Israel, when they came, before they left Egypt, Moses told them, man, y'all better stand up in a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to bring you out of here. I'm going to take you to a good land or a large. Now, that's wonderful. That's in Exodus 3, but they're still in trap. They don't know what that means. They don't know what a good large land looks like because these people have all been slaves for 400 years or, or less. You know what I'm saying? And so they get in the wilderness and God's still talking to them, reminding them over and over again about this land. He's going to take you to this land. But when they get on the brink of it, God says, send 12 spies in there. Because they, they have a, a little thought. They're trying to use their imagination. But he says, send 12 spies in there and let them check it out. Let them get a picture of it and then let them bring back some evidence. The whole point of them bringing back evidence was so that people who were only thinking small could actually see something. So they now all of a sudden start thinking a little different. Wait a minute. Okay, we know you said good land or large for milk and honey, but wait a minute. That's the fruit of that land right there? 
Now they start thinking differently. And because they start thinking. Now you know some, most of them didn't. Most of them got enough fear in them because, because the, the ten spies told them also about the giants. So what happened? They start thinking about the giants. Y'all better catch that. That's good. That's another message, boy. They start thinking about the giants. And the devil who tries to do is to get you to think about the giants. He'll let somebody come and bring you a bad report. Some evil report. So instead of thinking about the land, you start thinking about the giants. Because you know, if the giants consume your thoughts, you're not going to go in. Dad, dad had preached last night up in Frankfurt and talked about how, how fear comes against your only belief. Fear comes against believe only. And the devil tries to bring that fear into our minds through those thoughts so that instead of only believing, we start doubting. But if you can keep your mind on the right thing, thinking what God said, thinking what God has shown you, he says this is the year you're going to possess your possessions, the delightful thoughts. I got a bunch more scripture, but I don't have time for it. Y'all stand to your feet. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that, that are honest. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are of good report. Things, think on things that are just. If there, said if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on the things that God's putting out there because he says you're going to possess those things. When the devil tries to tell you, you know, you're thinking too big, you're thinking too far out there, tell him, shut up. Get out. Get out. You're not invited to my, to my, to my conversation. Whew. It's time. It's time. It's time. I'll go through all this other stuff for next week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just take your time and just give God a big praise and receive that word tonight. Oh my God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just another minute. Just thank you. in your mind, which is part of your soul. Jesus said, by patience, possess your soul. Take control, seize your soul. Don't let your soul think anything that doesn't line up with God's word. Only think God's thoughts. Only think God's thoughts. In the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, only think God's thoughts. In the midst of, of all kind of health scares out there. Only think God's thoughts. In the midst of all kind of financial scares, think God's thoughts. In the midst of all kind of you know, threats of violence, think God's thoughts. The devil doesn't want to do anything to encourage you. He wants to discourage you. Snatch your courage. So when good thoughts come, you know that's God. Did y'all, did y'all, did y'all hear, understand what I just said? When those good thoughts come, it's God. Because the thoughts, remember, thoughts don't come from you, they come to you. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, if it's evil, it's the devil. And so when those good thoughts come, just run with it. Praise God. Praise God. Don't quench, thought, don't quench the spirit. When he's putting those good thoughts in your mind, 
You see yourself running, see yourself living, see yourself thriving. Hallelujah. Run with it. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Because that thought, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That thought is what you'll possess. In the world, they've perverted and twisted so many things of God, you know, that, that you, you know, positive thinking. But it's not positive thinking, it's word thinking. You got to think like the word. And when you do that, you possess that. That's why we got to meditate on the word day and night. Why? Let the word fill our thoughts so we can possess that. Amen. Thank you, Father, tonight for the word we have received. Thank you for your precious people. I thank you for your spirit giving us divine utterance and divine unction tonight. I thank you, Father, that as you spoke and your people have heard. And I ask you, Father, that God, you give every individual more clarity. We know that, Father, you're the God, the only God, by the Spirit of God, that can speak one word and people hear it all different ways and hear all different things that each person needs to hear for themselves. And I know, Father, you can speak more than what I've shared. You speak to every individual's issue, purpose, situation, condition, answers that come for every individual. I pray that tonight, Father, that as we grab a hold of the word of God, that we will possess our souls, possess our minds, possess our thought lives, and then then God lay hold of that which you've caused us to think, oh God, to think your thoughts after your ways, and we will see the performance of it in our lives. I pray, Father, that as we continue to perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord, that, God, your response, Lord, comes to us again. We know we can't outdo you. And, God, we're not living holy because we're trying to get something. We're living holy because you've already done something for us. You've already done something. You've already done more than enough. So our response is to be holy, Lord, to live like you, to walk like you, to to, to serve you with all of our hearts. So I pray, Father, that even as you continue to increase us more and more, we will stay holy. We will stay holy. Now, I thank you for this word. Let it continue to penetrate our hearts and produce what you sent it to produce. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give God another hand of praise tonight.